You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So I want to go to Romans chapter 14, and I think I'm going to get there in just a minute, but let's go ahead and and turn there. And I've really had this stirred in my heart the last uh, the last few days, actually probably the last week, really, the Lord just really began to, to stir my heart and my thinking in this area. And if I could title the message for tonight, it would be it would be this. It would be heart of the king, a life in his kingdom. And I don't like titling messages because then I feel too confined when I'm ministering. But if I could give a title, that would be it. It would be heart of the king and then life in his kingdom. And when I was uh, younger, growing up in the house that I grew up in, I remember hearing conversation about, about the kingdom of God. And, and it really broadened my, as I got older, it broadened my scope for what things are supposed to look like. And go closer. I feel like I'm eating the microphone. Switch microphones. This one's chucking out on us. This is the last time I'm trying this microphone. Okay, we're going to try this one. It sounds boxy, but I always wanted to be a boxer, so it's cool. Um, so <laughs> I'm working up here really hard, so please laugh and smile at me. It will, it will help me. Um, but whenever I don't laugh at me, just smile at me, Okay. <laughs> I started hearing uh, talk about just kingdom and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and things like that. And, and I didn't really understand it, but it always stuck with me. And as I got older, uh, I started to understand that we actually live in a kingdom. Now, the, the Jews were looking for a king. What they were looking for is they were looking for what's going to happen uh, in, the, in Revelation when King Jesus comes back destroys all the enemies, and sits on his throne. <laughs> That's what they were looking for, and they didn't quite get the king um, that they were expecting. But nevertheless, Jesus did come, and he did set up his kingdom on the earth for us to operate in. And it is a spiritual kingdom with spiritual principles that we are a part of that we can operate and function in. Does everybody understand me so far? John the Baptist said, he said, repent, because he was the one that came to prepare the way of the Lord. And he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he wasn't saying that it was going to come, you know, a long ways down the road. He was saying it is already here. It's at hand. And you need to get yourself into a place to where you can come into and flow in and operate within the king's domain. If you want to know what kingdom mean, it means it just simply means the king's domain. So God has a heart for his kingdom and he has a lifestyle that he has called us to live to 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 live to. I'll say it that way inside of his kingdom or underneath of his domain. And so we are actually sent as ambassadors to the world to change the world so it looks like the kingdom that we came out of. As a matter of fact, whenever he called the disciples, 
he changed the, what they were called, and they were disciples, and they were still being discipled even after the day of Pentecost, but he went from calling them just disciples to calling them apostles. And it wasn't because they got elevated to, to a higher hierarchy. <laughs> now, there, there is a place for honor, and there is a place for uh, proper government in the church. I'll talk about those in the, uh, hopefully after the first of the year. I'm, I'm hoping the Lord will let me talk about that uh, then. But the reason that they were called apostles was because an apostle means a sent one. And the terminology about an apostle it, back in that day was it came from the, the, the Roman uh, kingdom or whatever, the Roman government. And what they would do is that they would send an apostle before they would conquer, excuse me, after they would conquer a kingdom uh, and conquer an area, they would send an apostle. And the apostle's job was to go in and change the atmosphere, change the culture of the region that Rome had conquered so that when the king came, that it looked and represented and, and felt and smelt and everything just like Rome. So when the Lord called his apostles, apostles, he was saying, you are my sent ones. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, all of that. But when you go, don't just go and convert people, but go and change the entire culture so that when I come, it looks like the kingdom that I sent you from. Amen. Think about that for a little bit. Now, not everyone's called as an apostle or a prophet or whatever, a part of the fivefold, but every, the church actually is called to be an apostolic church. There's actually an apostolic reformation that's happening in the earth right now to where the Lord is bringing his church back to its original, I believe even better condition, but at least its original condition to where the, the, the church actually takes territory and it changes and influences the territory that it takes over, if we can say it like that. The takeover is a loving takeover. In the kingdom of God, it's all about love. It's not militant. Amen. We're, we're militant against the enemy, but we walk in love towards people. But the goal is, is that we go in and we change. Now, here is, the, here is the point of the church. And I wrote this down because I thought this was a, this is a good way. I want to say it real exact. The church is established. Now, you have to think about this. When you're talking about the church, you're talking about the gathering of saints that come together under his name, to praise him, to worship him, to have the teaching and the preaching of the word, to love on one another, to serve one another, to disciple one another. All of those things are involved in the church business, but also it's a place for the glory of God to rest. And I have a hunger in me for the glory of God to rest on us in tremendous great measure. I'm talking about I've only just seen a little bit of really what's seen physically, only seen a little bit of what's actually on the inside of me for what I see our churches are supposed to look like. And it is a place where people come in and simply by the culture, by the presence that's inside the church, they're transformed just by being inside, even before they get discipled to know anything. You see the glory, one touch from the glory of God and there's a difference between his presence and his glory, but I'll kind of combine them for, the time, for time's sake. But one touch from his presence or from his glory can change someone's life forever. Lee tells a testimony about how he got uh, blasted by the Lord, in a good way, <laughs> blasted by the Lord, and uh, he was ROFL. 
roll the floor laughing, rolling anyway. So, and it, and, it, and it changed him. It messed him up in a really good way. But you know what? The spirit of God can set you free, and that's what it did. But then it took a lot of years of being discipled to really remain free. That's what that looks like because, you know, he knows the word and things like that. And so that's what, that's what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like when you come in. And when people come in the church, there should be a measure and a level and a layer of glory that they cannot deny that God is there in their midst. You want to go, what are you really after in services? That's what I'm after. You go, what, what's, what does the Lord have to do? We need to stop waiting on the Lord. He's waiting on us. We're, we're often, we're so, we are so conditioned. We've been, we have been brainwashed in our, in our church culture. Bra- brainwashed to come and sit. It's Western church culture. I'm going to go and sit. Yeah, I'm not getting anywhere. Okay, I'm going to go and sit, and I'm going to be, we wouldn't call it entertained, but I'm going to let them sing the songs. I might throw out a few notes here and there and, you know, hopefully be blessed in the process, and then I'm going to sit and listen to someone talk for a little bit, and then I'm going to go home. Now, most people don't consciously think through that, because if they did, they would say, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> we need to bless God, and we need, we need to be blessed by the Lord, right? But we also need to bless him. But really, what church is, it is the people who have been redeemed, and they are called out from the world, they are set apart from the world to act nothing like the world. And when we come in, and I'm not scolding. Everybody say, I love Pastor Kent. Everybody say it and mean it. I love Pastor Kent. So I'm not scolding anybody, okay? I'm just, I'm leading, I'm showing, I'm giving example. But when we come into the church, we have a call. We are called by God to take the atmosphere in the room and make it go through the roof. It's not all just spiritual. And people are like, I was worshiping the Lord in my heart. Well, then you were only just partially worshiping. Because we're supposed to worship the Lord with our voice and with our hands and with our feet and with instruments and with singing and with dancing and all of that. All of that's supposed to be there for worshiping the Lord. And you say, well, I want to see the glory. You know, the greatest measure of glory that I've seen is being in and being involved with people that come in and they are so heaven bent on coming in and lifting their voices up to the Lord as loud as they possibly can and just filling the room. And you know what? You're not going to get too loud. We'll turn the music up louder if we need to. (laughs) It's no problem. That's where we see greater measure of glory because we have people that are participating wholeheartedly together, saying, here we are together, and we're going to press in to the throne. We're going to press into Jesus, and we're going to give him everything that he's worthy, everything he's deserving of. Amen. Everybody doing okay? So the church is a place for the glory of God. The church, and here's what I was going to say. This is, this is a, a description of why the church exists. The church is established to help assimilate us into heaven's culture. That's part A. I'm going to read part B, but let me read it again. The church is established to help assimilate us into heaven's culture. You know what assimilation is? 
It's like when you go to a foreign country and you're going to live in a foreign country. Maybe you're a, a student. Maybe you get a job in a foreign country. They speak a different language. Literally, they speak a different language. They eat different foods. They drive on the wrong side of the road, <laughs> whatever it is. And what you do, if you're going to be a part of that, is you assimilate and you change your lifestyle to match the lifestyle of the culture that you're now going into. One of my biggest beefs with the church, and I can, I can not with individuals, but just as a whole, it's morphed into, it is morphed into a man-pleasing, performance-based institution. And most of us have been sucked into it, and we don't even realize it. And we have, we have put the level of God's glory in the house here because there's still a measure of goodness and glory and good things in the church as a whole. But what I'm saying is that the Lord has so much more, farther than my hand can go, the Lord has so much more for the church to come into and for us to assimilate into a higher level of heavenly culture. But that can't happen if we have not, as the church, tapped into it ourselves. We're not supposed to wait for other people to dance. We're supposed to dance. We're not supposed to wait for other people to say amen. We're supposed to say amen, amen. And see, sometimes people go, like I had one guy one time, he's like, oh, I don't really know why you get, try to get people to say amen. I said, because it's good for you, man. He's like, well, I don't really like that. I'm like, well, I don't really care. I didn't ask you. <laughs> because, amen. Because I know I'll do that because I know it's good for you. And see, I know it's good for me. And when I'm sitting and I'm listening to somebody minister, A, it will keep you awake. Because no matter how amazing the preacher is, you could still fall asleep. I'm only kidding. I have a very dry sense of humor, okay? I'm only kidding. But seriously, no matter how much you're liking it, you can fall asleep. So A, it will help you keep awake. But B, and more importantly, when you say amen to something that is right, you are coming into agreement with it, and you are literally taking your mouth and saying that right there that he just said, I'm making that a part of me. Amen. <laughs> and that's why you say amen. It's not just to act like a, like a Pentecostal church or something. It's to act like believers who say, so be that truth unto me. I wanted that to be in my life. So the church, and this will be a good place for you to say amen. I'm going to read this one more time. The church is established to help assimilate us into heaven's culture. Amen. Because haven't we come out of, we've come out not only of the world, and again, I'm not being critical, and I do, I do not have it all together. I glean from other pastors and churches and things. I do that all the time. I do not have it all figured out. I don't believe that for a second. But I know that not only the world, but also the I just call it the Western church culture. We have dumbed down the moving of the spirit and the power of the word of God and the power of the ability to disciple people through his spirit and through his word. We have dumbed it down, flat out. We've dumbed down the measure of glory that needs to be manifest in the church. We need to assimilate out of that and into a heavenly culture. So the church is established to help assimilate us into heaven's culture. Then uh, we are sent, everybody say sent, as ambassadors with heaven's assignment to bring others into, assimilate them into heaven's culture. 
an ambassador is one that comes or they go, they're sent, and they go to a, a country that they are not from. But when they go to that country, they don't lose their citizenship from the country that they came from. This is why it says in Philippians chapter 3, I forget the latter part of the chapter, it says that we are, our citizenship is in heaven. So this is just like if an ambassador goes to a foreign nation, they go there and their job isn't to assimilate to the country that they go to. Now, they learn to work with the people and things like that. I'm not saying that. But what they do is they go there and they represent the country that they came from. That's what an ambassador does. And they are citizens of that nation. And they go there and they carry the authority that, of that nation that they came from. We are ambassadors of heaven. Every single person in this room, you are ambassadors of heaven, of God's kingdom, and you carry the authority of Jesus Christ in your life into every area. So you know what we need to do? We need to fill the church with the glory of God to such a level that we are so equipped that we can go out and bring others in and we make this place a place where people get assimilated from the world and from whatever they've experienced, their hurts, their pains, their sufferings, their issues, their hang-ups, their insecurities, whatever it is, they get assimilated out of that and into heavenly culture. I don't think I'm even going to get to the board tonight. We're going to save that for a couple of weeks. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I want to I say this. Maybe I will get to it, but I want to say this. Would you think about the idea of what Jesus did when he came to the earth? He, he did everything so different than how the Jews at that point had been used to doing things. And quite frankly, it wasn't working well for them. They had a lot of problems. <laughs> but Jesus carried the heart of the Father. He carried the king's heart and he brought the king's domain and brought a new lifestyle for people to operate in. And this is, this is the reason why he said to the disciples, he said, when you pray, and we call it the Lord's Prayer. I love what Bill Johnson says. It's actually the disciples' prayer. Because Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. He didn't say repeat these words repetitively and it's like a magic wand to give you what you need. He didn't say that. Because when people are like, our Father which art in heaven, I will be thy name, the kingdom come, the will be done. It's like, wait a second. He says, pray in this manner. In other words, get the truths out of it and then apply them to your life. But he said, our Father, he said, Jesus said, pray in this manner. First of all, it's to our Father. When you're praying to God, it's to our Father first. Our Father which art in heaven, it's a, it's a recognition of where God is right now, that he's in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The very first thing that we're supposed to press in and believe for is to see the earth realm that we're in right now. The very first thing we're supposed to press in and believe for is to see the earth realm changed to where what is happening in heaven actually takes place here on the earth. What a mandate. What a call. 
on earth as it is in heaven. Think about the things that we know of that are in heaven or that is, that's not in heaven. There's no sickness. There's no lack. <laughs> there's no selfishness. There's no evil. None of that. There's no sin. None of that stuff is there. And so Jesus, he, he never asked people to pray a prayer that was not able to be answered. I think that actually would have been unjust of him to say, pray this, but then secretly he's in the back of his mind going, nah, the father ain't going to answer that one. <laughs> no, he was, pray, he was saying, pray this because the, the potential, the reality is there for that to come to pass. And I think more than just praying and asking God to do something, it's a, it's a, it's a revealing. Remember, I talked about this. It's a revealing. It's appealing back of for us to be able to look and realize that there is way more available to us on the earth benefits that we can walk in that are part of the heavenly kingdom, which we are actually citizens of. There is more for us to access to help us here on this, on this earth. And you know, one of the things that I see that Jesus walked in so strongly was he walked in what I just call he had the heart of a father. He had the father's heart. And you know what the father's heart is? Is to raise up people underneath. And this is something that is a paradigm shift and I'm just going to lay this out, and in the weeks and months to come, we'll keep coming back to this and talking about this, and it'll be very interwoven in our conversation. But the goal, here's the goal with serve teams, is to raise other people up. And we, anytime we set leaders in over the serve teams, what we tell them is, awesome, you're in charge of this area, now raise somebody else up to take your job. Because Jesus... He told his disciples, some of his last words were, he said, the works that I do, you will also do, and even greater works than these will you do. His heart wasn't to bring people un underneath of him to watch him operate in his power and anointing and as a prophet and as all these things, and then everyone go, wow, you are really incredible, even though he rightfully could have done that because he's Jesus. But the heart that was in him was to raise other people up. You know what this is? This is kingdom mentality. It's the heart of the Father, and it's the life, and it's the culture of the kingdom is to, to bring other people up to a higher level. See, what the, what the church, and this is, goes back to the performance mentality that's been in the church, and I'm not saying this church. I'm not saying any particular church. I'm just saying the church as a whole. People feel like they've had to fight and uh, scratch and claw to, to be something. And the reason I know that is because I've been pastoring for 10 years and I've had my eyes gouged out a couple times. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if you're having to fight for something, first of all, you're probably not ready for it. You're not ready for it. Uh, second of all, there's probably bad culture there to where you don't have people over you that are looking to raise you up. Because for me, as, as a pastor, the greatest, the thing that makes me successful is not about building a bigger platform. You need to hear my heart in this. It's not about building a bigger platform. It's about building a strong people underneath of me that go further than, than I could ever go.
And I heard this said this this way recently, and it really struck a chord in my heart. The goal isn't to raise up sons and daughters. The goal is to raise up mothers and fathers. So the same heart that God's placed that was in Jesus, and that I would say that he's placed in me, and I'm still working at it, I'm not perfect, is the same heart that's supposed to be in you. You say, well, I feel like I need to be raised up. Then remain as a child. And listen, learn, grow, glean, until you get to the point to where you can raise up people underneath of you. Your success as a minister, and you're like, I'm not, I'm not called to be a preacher. I didn't say that. I didn't say you're called occupationally as a minister, but I am saying that as a minister of the gospel on, on a certain level to disciple people inside and outside, your goal is not to operate in your gift. Thank you. One agreement. Okay. Your goal is not to operate in your gift. Just, just amen. I want them to hear that. You're right. That's where I'm going. Your goal is not to operate in your gift. Okay. Amen. Did you guys hear that? So your goal is not to operate in your gift. Amen. Come on. Just having a little fun with you. A little bit. Uh, it's to raise up other people. And invest into them. And the reality is, is that your gifts, it will just function very, if I can say it, supernaturally natural when your heart gets poured out to raise up people underneath of you. That's the Father's heart. That's his heart for us. That's the heart that God's put in this church. You know, I went through... Uh, through a lot of years of, <laughs> of frustration and seeing people do things. And I feel like I can share this with you guys. And it's fine because you weren't there. And it's like, I can't be talking about you. Amen. You guys were there, but I'm not talking about you. So, or, any, or anybody else that's whatever. Anyways. <laughs> and I would be so frustrated because... They wouldn't do what I know they needed to do, and they would ask for counsel, and then they would turn right back out, go right back out, and do the very opposite thing that I was telling them to do. And I was like, my darn people, you know, I mean, I was so frustrated. And the Lord grabbed a hold of me one day, and he said, I don't do that to you. I'm not frustrated with you. And then he began to remind me of a few times he told me to do stuff that I didn't do. But as a father, he, would lay, he does lay up for me. Paul said this to the Corinthians. He said, it's not, um, I think I want to say he said superfluous, but he said it's not unimportant for me to come to you a third time. And basically he was, he was telling them something that he had already told them. You ever had a kid or somebody in your life that you told them the same thing multiple times? And by the third or fourth or fifth time, you just wanted to throat punch them? Anybody have ever been in there before? Well, the throat punching thing does not come from the Father. That comes from your father, the devil, okay? Amen? That doesn't come from God the Father. It comes from the Godfather, right? It's good. That's a good joke. Come on. But God the Father is long-suffering. And as a good father... He says, it's no problem. 
Let me tell it to you again. This is where James, he says, in James, he says, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And what that means is that even, even when you messed it up last time or the time before, the time before that and all those times, you can still come and ask of God and he'll still give to you and he will not throat punch you. <laughs> Nobody wants to throw a punch from God, I can tell you that. But the heart of a father, and this is what Paul said. He said, he said, it's fine for me to come to you again and tell you the same thing because as a father to his children, I have laid up for you. And God got a hold of me and he said, I have called you as a father and your job is to not get frustrated with them, but is to love them out of whatever it is that they're dealing with, just like I loved you. This changed my whole perspective about how I was seeing ministry. The serve teams are not about getting a job done. That's secondary. First dairy, first thing, <laughs> first dairy is what you get the good milk over here. The first thing is, if I can't make you laugh because of my humor, you will laugh because of my stupidity, I guess. Where was I going with that? Hey, what was I talking about? First thing about what? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. you were, I was testing you. You were listening. Good job. Um, the, the, the very first thing that's most important when it comes to being on a serve team, you want to get a job done. Amen. That's important. But you want to build relationships and build opportunity for people to be discipled. It's just the system that God's given us to be able to do that. I mean, how do you organize a bunch of people? I mean, you got, you know, some of you got one or two or three or four or five kids in your home. It's, it's tough to organize them. We moved and we don't have a chore chart in our new house. And I was gone. I mean, Liz was gone last week, and I had to take care of all this. And I have just about had a high-speed come apart. I was like, look, it's a mess here. Have you no... I wasn't laying up for them. I was wanting to throat punch them, to be honest with you. I was just being honest. You know, so it's good to have organization so that things get done and things have order to it and all that. But the point, the point of everything we do is to raise people up. The point of having children isn't to have a bunch of workers, although I do make them work. That's not the point why you have. The reason you have children is to lay your hands on them and bless them and raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and to help them see what they're called to and raise them up and speak and prophesy into their life and watch them go further, further than you could ever think about going. Like an arrow and like a quiver and a bow, you pull it out and you shoot them and you watch them go so far. Spiritually in a church, there is no fighting for anything. There's only raising up. When you see somebody who's fighting for something, they don't have the heart of the Father. Because God never fights for anything except for us. The only fighting that should ever happen inside of a church are fighting for unity and fighting for people's hearts and fighting for people's lives, and fighting for them to feel loved and cared for. Come on, somebody. This is what you call good preaching and a good time to say amen. And that's what, and I, oh, man, I have so much. At least I don't have to prepare for two weeks away in the message. I already got it. Amen. And me and the whiteboard are going to become good buddies, and it's going to be amazing. But I had to get this out first because this is what the Lord was really laying on my heart. This is something that is 
it's, it's just going to be um, embedded into us. And I'm saying that by faith, but we're going to watch it grow. And when we step in to lead and we step in to do things and we step in to be a part of people's lives, the goal isn't, again, to operate in our gifts. And operating in your gift, you know, it's fun when you see God flow through you in the gift or gift things that he's given you. That's fun. But your gift isn't for you. Your gift is for other people. You know how you can tell if somebody doesn't know that their gifting is for other people? Whenever you, oh, Jesus, I should maybe, 735, I should just go ahead and quit. You'll find people oftentimes that are doing things, and then when you go to pull those things away from them, it's like they've got their nails and everything dug so deep into it. Why? It's because they found their identity in what they're doing and not in who they are in Christ. Because if you're gifting, if you're operating in your gifting to make you, make you feel good, it's been completely perverted. The enemy has completely perverted the point of your gift. I ha I've had to learn this th the hard way because preaching, <laughs> listen, being up in front and being the pastor is, it's not that, it's not that awesome. <laughs> it's not glamorous. I don't care how big of a platform you have. You'll have people that be like, that was awesome. Thank you so much. I love it. And then you'll have people that will criticize you. I made a little Facebook video last night. You can go and catch it. I got several people over in Perryville that want oh, one pastor. He calls me a false prophet. And I'm like, well, first of all, you couldn't be false unless the potential of true was being there. And I'm not a prophet, so you don't know what you're talking about. But he calls me a false prophet. And then, they, then some of his people call me a false teacher. They call me a heretic and we're a cult and all this stuff. And it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. People's lives are being transformed and they're saying I'm a cult. I'm like, you know what? Looks a whole lot like Jesus' ministry. The religious people hated him. They, they loathed him. You know why? They were jealous of the results that he had. And so, you know, I just pray for those people. I bless them. I scratch my head at them. I'm like, I don't know who gave you the title of calling out false prophets, but you're not very good at it, number one, because I ain't that. <laughs> Anyways, but you'll find people, I don't know, where, how did I go there? It's time to quit. You'll find people that have their identity wrapped up in what they're doing instead of in him. And when it comes to us doing ministry inside the church, it is not about, that's what I was going to say when it comes to, come to preaching. I had to learn this the hard way. I wanted, I, it was unintentional and it was almost, um, it was subconscious, but I had, I felt like I wasn't somebody unless I was doing really good at preaching and drawing crowds. I've gotten good at preaching. I haven't gotten real great at drawing crowds, but I have gotten good at raising up people with what God's given me to be strong, mighty men and women of God who have strong households. And that's what's made me successful. And that's the thing that we're going to continue to carry. And I had, but I had to learn that for me preaching, that my, I, f I had a time period where my identity was in what I was doing. And then the Lord had to straighten me out and say, listen, I haven't given you the ability to teach and to preach for you to feel good. And so now when people are like, that was awesome, I'm like, praise God, thank you. And when people are like, 
you're horrible. I'm like, praise God. Thank you. You just, you just stay like this. It's no problem. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about him. And it's about blessing his people. So your gift or multiple gifts, whatever they are, I got news for you. They're not about you. So when people praise you, don't take it as anything other than they're praising Jesus, but they accidentally stuck your name in there. <laughs> Just say thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I could bless you or whatever. When they criticize you, just say, no problem. God's good because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about blessing people. That's the heart of the king. That's God's heart. That's, that's what his kingdom is about. It's not clawing the way, your way to the top. And the thing is, is that the more you're faithful with what God has given you, the more you'll watch the Lord raise you up and take you up higher. Because when you're faithful in the dark room and you're faithful in the little and you're faithful and you're faithful and you're faithful, then the Lord says, they've shown themselves faithful. I can trust them. I will give them more. Amen. Amen or oh me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you all. You guys are amazing. Thank you for giving me an extra few minutes, which I routinely say, but what, at least I say thank you. Praise the Lord. Man, God's good. I love being here. We love doing what we're doing. We are sold out to this. We're not going anywhere. We don't have anything else to do on Sunday nights except for be here. And as a matter of fact, I want to give you just a very quick thing, and then I'm going to let you go. What the Lord's been speaking to us is that we are, we are working to be here during the week more. It's this came out of, it didn't come out, it was a part of our heart, like God put it in our heart, but at the same time, it came out of the blue. And, you know, we met this wonderful woman of God, and then the, the Lord moved us in that direction. And we had already had so many wheels in motion with what we were doing in Perryville, but we're like, this is right, but it's kind of been a slowing the bus down a little bit and, and making a turn. Well, you do that too fast, and you'll tip over. So we've been readjusting, Liz and I personally, and I'm, I'm just saying this, that we are here, and our hearts are here, and the more probably closer we get to the end of the year, the more we will physically be here. We are available. We are available to you, and we've just had to make some adjustments in our life and our routine and different things like that, but we're here, and we're not going anywhere, and we believe in family. We believe in church family. We believe in being connected with people the very best that we can. You know, we can't, you know, go out to lunch every day or whatever, but we're here for you guys, and, and, uh, let me just say this, that as changes and different things that are coming, you, you, are, you are the weapon against the enemy to silence disunity. You are the weapon that God wants to use to silence any kind of disunity that would come about. And the reason I say that is because there's oftentimes just, just kind of hear some things through the, the grapevine. And, you know, when you're making changes, it feels like the boat's rocking a little bit. That's okay. It's fine. You know, I'm not going to get in that. Take too long to say, and I'm done anyways. But we're here, and what was I going to say about changes, though? When I start forgetting what I was going to say, it's probably time to just go ahead and hang it up for tonight. <laughs> just be done. I have a lot of my heart that I want to share, and I just only have so much time to do it. But um, oh yeah, you are the one that has the ability, because when people are 
are feeling like, oh, what's this looking like and how's this going? And instead of entertaining, does he know what he's doing? Just go ahead and say, he doesn't have a clue what he's doing, but I can see that that man loves God and he loves people. You could say that for sure. I do have a clue what I'm doing though, by the way. But just go ahead and snuff that stuff out. And here's the deal. When you have questions, come and ask us. Don't ask 40 other people. And then it comes back to us, and we're like, well, why didn't they just come and ask us? And we could have stopped a lot of guessing and different things like that. Amen? We're here for you. We love you. In the book of Revelation, it says that he holds the stars in his right hand, and the stars are the messengers of the churches. God has a special place in his heart and in his hand for pastors because it's a lot. It's, a, it's more mental and emotional work than what I could ever put into words. But it's okay. You know what I'm, ta- you know what I'm talking about. And you, until you've done it, it's just like you're like, oh, I get it now. But it's, it says he uses the word stars, that he holds the stars in his right hand. And do you know that in the Milky Way galaxy alone, there are 10 billion trillion stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone? I can't, I don't even understand that. I just memorized the numbers so I could say it sometimes. 10 billion trillion stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone. That's only one galaxy in the known universe out of all of the galaxies in that one. There's 10 billion trillion stars. And listen to this. Not one star is the same as the other. So when he says that he holds the stars in his right hand, he was saying, I hold each individual pastor who's different than every other single pastor. I hold each of them in my hand. Just understand, I'm different than Pastor Donna. I'm different than any other pastor here and anyone in the rest of the world, and I'm just okay with that. But if someone's called by God and you're called to be there, support them, love them, bless them, Give mercy and grace and mercy and grace and mercy and grace on top of mercy and grace and watch what God does. Amen. Love you. Bless you. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.